Pat, are you uh, are you there? I'm here. All right. Are cool. you there? So I am here. I'm right here, right Good. here in Texas, Good. unable okay. to go apparently anywhere else, uh, <laughs> even down the street, uh, totally off limits. To I, right know. Now, so. I uh, know. I <laughs> know. All right. We're going to join this uh, program here back in a second with uh, Pat mm-hmm. in, in seconds. Thanks for listening to the Glenn Beck program. <clears throat> It is the Glenn Beck program from snowy, icy, wintry, ski slope, Texas, where no one can get out on the roads today. So we're doing our shows from home. Glenn is having all sorts of tech problems. He's going to join us potentially here at some point. Um, I wanted to bring in Pat Gray as well, so we can go through some of the issues of the day. In fact, one of the one that, one of the issues that's I think pretty interesting is Trump starting to carve out a differentiating point here in the primaries. How can he differentiate himself from uh, his other rivals? We'll look at the way he's trying to do that here coming up in 60 seconds. So what is the value of $20? How far is that going to get you these days? Maybe not too far with a lot of things, but I, I could convince you that it might change your life if you're one of the millions of Americans who live with frequent and debilitating pain. Would it be worth it? Because 20 bucks will get you a trial pack of Relief Factor. It's going to try to relieve your pain, and 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. It has four key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation, which is the cause of most of our problems in our pain in our body. So try the three-week quick start. 1995, it's a trial. 1995, try it for three weeks. It's relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. Now, as part of your Blaze TV subscription, and of course, we also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Not only Stu Does America, but also Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray joins us now. Thanks for popping on here, Pat. Yep. Happy to be here. Uh, There's nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. So, you know, we might as well be on the air today. Uh, I'm, I'm... Doing this from my home office and looking out our windows here, and uh, the my driveway is nothing but solid ice, and out further the street is nothing but solid ice, covered by just a little skiff of snow, so you can't see the solid ice. So things are going really well here in Texas right now. It's really beautiful. Uh, it is. I don't think outsiders. I don't amazing. think outsiders do understand what happens here with this with these ice storms. I mean, it's not like a snowstorm. It's it's uh, really really deadly when when it does this. 
It's true. I, we, we, even the day before this hit, it, we had some freezing on the roads, and you could feel it. I mean, people were there was accidents all over the place. And at some level, yes, I, as a Northeasterner, I would like to just blame uh, terrible mm-hmm. drivers in Texas. And I do understand mm-hmm. that that is uh, it is probably part of it. People not used to driving in this stuff, uh, and yeah. also not prepared. Like, I mean, I have my car is rear rear wheel drive. Uh, and is not equipped to go anywhere in this particular environment. That's because, you know, 99.9% of the time, you don't have to deal with it. So the the society just has come right. together and said, we, were, we are going to do nothing to prepare for this. Yeah. So that's why we have four snow trucks and about, uh, I don't know, one and a half salt trucks. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a mess. But you mentioned Trump, and apparently he's tried to differentiate himself a little bit. Uh, with his policy toward Ukraine, kind of interesting. Everybody else disagrees with him. All, all the other Republicans are like, mm, no, that's not that's not how you do it. But he says he can solve the war within 24 hours. Uh, I have my doubts, but he's very confident. Very confident. Uh, yeah, he made no. his last... He made his last comments on Saturday in South Carolina. He said, even now, despite tremendous loss of lives and destruction of much of that country, I would have a peace deal negotiated within 24 hours. You can make a peace deal. You can can do a deal for both right now. 24 hours. So 24 hours and we're out of this thing. That's tempting, isn't it? Uh, it's tempting. I mean, look, we all know that uh, Trump, uh, you know, makes grand mm. statements and uh, not <laughs> yeah. always precise in, in, in <laughs> the details in those statements. Um, but I will say directionally, you kind of think that he would be the type of person who would be able to go in there and negotiate this. I mean, he, you know, he's he's had a, a relatively good relationship uh, with, you know, both of these parties over the years obviously you know it was one of the things that the left complained about that he was he was having dealings with Zelensky that were too close and too tight that's why they tried to impeach him um so you know I, I don't know could he do this I don't know but I will say it's interesting that he's he's looking for this point to separate himself like he did in the 2016 campaign when it came to Iraq you know, he was the only one out there saying we shouldn't have been in the Iraq war. It was a disaster. I knew from the beginning, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I mean, I think at the time that was a controversial stance among the Republican base. But I don't think this in particular is a, a, con- a con- controversial stance. I think the funding to Ukraine is one of those things that Republican voters have really tired of hearing about. And they don't mm-hmm. want to be involved in this. They just see it as a, a nonstop mm-hmm. quagmire and a way for us to be spending money for the next multiple decades. I know I'm tired of spending a hundred billion plus, and and every week it seems we add another several billion to it. I mean, they just did that bill for was it fifty or sixty billion, and then uh, a week later they were doing another two and a half billion. Now they put them on different ledger sheets because they're they're in different categories. One is humanitarian aid, one is military aid, one is some other kind of aid. But to me, it's just it's all our money going somewhere else, money that we don't have to spend, and we've been promised by our leadership that they're going to continue to do it indefinitely. So it's a little bit frightening, and it's nice it, it's nice at least to see somebody, in this case Donald Trump actually calling for, hey, let's put an end to it. And nobody else seems to be doing that. 
Yeah, you know, and Pat, it's funny because I spent the whole last hour talking about stuff like the debt ceiling and who to primary because the you know our debt is so out of control. And so I, I you know, I think you and I and Glenn and a few other people seem to be the only people on the right left <clears throat> who care about spending anymore. Um, yeah. But like, even all that being said, as much as I care about spending. It's not even my top priority here when it comes to our involvement in this war. I am much more concerned that the Biden-Harris administration is walking us closer and closer to direct conflict with Russia. And yeah, I don't are. want any I don't want any part of that. I don't have any faith that this uh, administration can walk this line successfully. And even if you think, you know, hey, Ukraine, uh, you know, is the victim of aggression here and we want to hold this line so that Russia doesn't roll into NATO and it gets worse. The, the way we're doing this, saying things like we're going to uh, outwardly do press conferences bragging about how we're sending offensive weapons into this war to mm -hmm. potentially, and the goal being to kill Russian soldiers, I know we wouldn't take that nicely if Russia was doing it to us, and I expect they're not going to as well. At some point, they're going to cross a line and say, look, we're just at war with America, let's admit it, and let's start attacking them. I, I could see that happening. I mean, we're doing exactly what Biden said less than a year ago we would absolutely not do because it would lead to uh, World War Three. And he said that was offensive weapons like tanks. Well, now we're sending him 31 uh, A1 Abrams tanks. And that goes exactly against what they were saying less than a year ago. So, yeah, we're sending him offensive weapons now. This is for a big offensive that they're going to try to drive the, the Russians back out of uh, out of Ukraine. And we'll see. I mean, they're also begging us for uh, F-16s, which I wouldn't be surprised if we caved in on that, too. Yeah. I mean, we said over and over again we wouldn't do that. <clears throat> we said we would not do a no-fly zone. We said we would not do tanks. I believe uh, the quote from Joe Biden was, we would not give uh, offensive weapons like tanks and planes and trains. Which again, I don't know of the offensive train <laughs> weapon that we have. If we, if we do have that, I I'm a, I first of all, it sounds really cool, um, but does does not seem to be the the smartest weapon out there. It's like if you're putting <laughs> your attack train on on rails, and like they're gonna know where it's gonna go. Like this, this is just how trains work. Oh, and we man. honestly he did. He, he did didn't say, say trains. He is so bad. He is so stupid. Uh, so <laughs> cognitive, cognitively uh, declined that he thinks a train is an offensive weapon. I love that. <laughs> it really, I don't know how that would work. I mean, like, you'd know they'd know exactly either. where it was going in advance. <laughs> they'd, they'd see the yeah. tracks. They could just, yeah. like, blow up the tracks. It would stop it. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, a, an offensive, like, <laughs> bus would be more more worthwhile than an offensive train. An offensive motorcycle, uh, an offensive big wheel would be better than an uh, offensive train. Yes. Yes, it would. Because you don't know where the big wheel's going until it gets there. <laughs> it might go slowly, but <laughs> so. at least you don't know which way. And I mean, what is the offensive weaponry that you put on a train? Because I've yet to see it. No, I know it's a it is a, a shocking uh, shocking discovery, and I think he let go of some really important American intelligence that we've been developing train <laughs> weapons, and we didn't 
we didn't even know it. Uh, didn't know it. Nope. <laughs> Look, if we if we do have offensive trains, I actually support giving them to Ukraine because what else are we going to do with them? I, we shouldn't be making them. If we have some leftovers, no. they can take them if they want them. Because I, I, you can't help but notice in America, our trains only lead to places that are still us. So um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we need them as offensive weapons. So I will say, if any administration was going to make uh, train weapons, it would be this one. He's always talking about being on the train. The guy's like, he thinks he's the yes. best friend with Mister Amtrak, whoever that is, who's been dead for about thirty years or whatever. So, yeah, but he has traveled two million miles on the train, so he knows him. He He had keys to the trains, uh, Pat. Now, he's the only president that had keys to the trains, pretty much. Uh, (laughs) Hung out with the engineers all the time. What a weirdo. Um, All right, I want to get into how this separates Trump from uh, the rest of the field and Trump's newest tactic on on COVID and the response there as as it relates to DeSantis. We'll get into that in a minute. It's Stu and Pat Gray here in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. When your kids ask themselves, what is life all about? What is the meaning of life? Where are they getting their answers? What guidelines have you put in their hands to make sure they have access to the right answers? There is no short supply of wrong answers now. We need our, we, we need help as parents. And the Tuttle Twins are there with a great new book called The Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp, which is modeled after Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life book. It's a book for kids of all ages. Tuttle Twins will teach them what they need to know, just as Jordan Peterson tells us, the meaning of life is bound up in personal responsibility and nobody's teaching that now go to tuttletwinsbeck.com get this book now it's free for the next few days um so just pay for the shipping and that's it go to tuttletwins.com i'm sorry tuttletwinsbeck.com that's tuttletwinsbeck.com and while they last get their new book free 10 seconds station id All right, it's Pat and Stu in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we were talking about Donald Trump and his primary hopes here as he goes into 2024. And one of the differentiating points he's made here is to say, I am I want this war over with. I don't want to keep dumping money into it. I want this thing over with. And a bunch of the candidates that are rumored to be getting into the race tend to be from the more hawkish side of the Republican uh spectrum you have people like john bolton who's basically saying he's in i I don't think he moves on this issue whatsoever this is his branding he's the the hawkish guy Uh, but you have people like mike pompeo mike pence and nikki haley who i think haley's expected to get in in just a few weeks Uh, but all again i think would land on that same side of the hawkish leaning side and some of them will move some of them won't but i do think that Trump's positioning here with Ukraine will probably move the field. I think people will start chasing him and starting to act like they're the ones that are most against funding this war. The other potential people jumping in, you know, there's a whole swath of them. Ted Cruz, Christy Noem, Rick Scott, Tim Scott, Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, of course. None of them have endorsed this sort of negotiating position with Trump and Ukraine where he's gone with this. Pat, do you think the where do you think the base is on this, and where do you think these candidates go? I think a good portion of the base 
<clears throat> really tired of really tired of the war um, and our participation in it. I, I, you know, like us, I think they fear that we're getting closer and closer to ground troops. We're we're getting we're sending advisors. We've got to teach them how to use these tanks. Uh, that that is uh, something that we started doing in Vietnam, sending advisors and trainers and and uh, it, just a a pre-war group of people to to help to help out. And then all of a sudden you're actually sending boots on the ground. And that's that's the fear here. And so I I think the American people are are tired of it. We've just come from a 20 year war and then pulled out of it terribly. Uh, one of the probably the worst withdrawal in the history of war uh, on this planet. And we left behind $85 billion worth of weaponry. I, I mean, I think we're sick of it. I, I think we're tired of it. And I, I don't know that anybody wants to continue or to continue to get us deeper enmeshed in this mess. Yeah, and I think I think you're totally right on your reading of the, the base. I think that's where the voters are. And again, that's how this primary gets decided. So it is really important as to where they are. When it comes to when it comes to the the other candidates in this race, you know, I, I remember back in 2015 and 2016 as we were going through that process, and Trump came out against the Iraq War. He was one of the you know earliest people who might lean right that were against it, and and when he said it, it it really broke a long string of of even people who were skeptical of the Iraq War. They wouldn't come out and, and straight criticize it as bad from the beginning there would be some questions about the process there'd be questions about how we were fighting the war but there weren't a lot of people on the right who were saying this was a massive mistake from day one trump came out and mm -hmm. said that and i think not only moved the other candidates in the race but also moved the base he he almost gave it gave them the okay to hate the iraq war and i wonder if the same thing is happening here in with ukraine where you know, I think a lot of people saw, you know, Russia invading this country and, you know, it's still relatively popular, the funding, generally speaking, among Republicans. Uh, I think it's 56 percent support right now, even in December of uh, just a month ago. So there's still support there. But I, I, I think when this primary really begins, Trump is out there talking against it. These other candidates, a lot of them will get on board speaking against the way this is being handled. And I think that number is going to fall through the floor over the next six months to a year. Yeah, I, I do too. I agree. Uh, but uh, it, it's I, I'm not sure we were even in the same place in 2016 when Trump came along in 2015 and 16. When he came along and, and started saying that the that he was against the war from the very beginning, and you know there was some evidence against that, but still, I, I think he did drag some people along. But now here we are, seven years later, and I think we're even further down that road. I, so I, I think people have had it. I, I think we want to use our military when we're attacked, and uh, short of that, maybe we stay out of it now. Maybe we stop being the world's policemen. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are, or, or certainly will be by the time uh, this election comes around. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, thinking about the actual cost of this, we, we, you mentioned the $100 billion we've poured into this effort. And like, you could certainly make an argument that maybe some of the humanitarian stuff is more, 
is more defensible uh, because we're not mm-hmm. directly involved in a war, right? Like we're not risking a nuclear conflict with Russia. When you start sending tra- yeah. tanks and training and targeting of Russian uh, uh, troops, you get really into dangerous uh, territory. And, you know, I think when you when you kind of step back, you say, okay, $100 billion is a lot of money. Well, that's just the beginning. Remember, this is just yeah. one year of this. We've already committed to right. what what the president is calling basically infinite spending, as long as it takes. And mm-hmm. that does not even include the rebuilding of this country. Of this country. When, the, when this is all over, you've got a bunch of piles of rock that used to be called cities. And these cities will be rebuilt by somebody. And guess who's going to carry a large portion Us. of that price tag? Us. It, it will be us. There's no question about that. And have you seen the photos and the videos of what's happened in Ukraine? I mean, that country has been decimated. It is going to take a massive rebuild into the trillions of dollars. And yes, that that burden is going to mostly fall to us. Zelensky's already said they don't have the money for it. Yeah. And the fact that... Again, like, I know this is a tough situation for them. I understand. But, like, the fact that that's how they say it, they basically demand all of these things. And we're like, okay. And, you know, yeah. it's a proxy. It's a proxy war. And this is not a surprise to Vladimir Putin. This is not a surprise to Medvedev. This is not a surprise to their oligarchs. They all see it. They all know we're involved in this. And we're all playing this game where, of course, we don't want to annihilate uh, each other and you know the world ends so we're all playing you know we're kind of walking this line and this dance is the sort of dance that joe biden is incapable of continuing successfully at some point we're going to cross this line and it's going to get a lot uglier i just hope we don't see that day i'm going to have more with pat gray here coming up in just a second it's triple eight seven twenty seven b-e-c-k triple eight seven twenty seven beck blaze tv.com slash glenn the promo code is glenn to save yourself 10 bucks off of blaze tv it's Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, which is part of your membership, as well as Stu from Stu Does America. Back with more in a second. The Glenn Back Program. You wouldn't think that there would be science to something as getting a good night's sleep, uh, but getting a good rest, actually, there is science to that. Mike Lindell has cracked the code on comfortable sleep a long time ago, and he's been passing it on to you with his amazing products. I don't even know how his pillows work. I don't really care. I just know... I stick my fists through each end of them. They don't get hot. They don't get flat. I'm not constantly fluffing them all night. And he also has the Giza Dream Sheets, which are now at their lowest price. coming in as low as $29.98. And they're made with the world's best, softest cotton. It's Giza cotton. Ultra soft, breathable, and durable. They come with a 10-year warranty, which you name the sheets that do that. Use the promo code BECK when you go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Use the promo code BECK, and you'll find that special along with a lot of others at MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com or 800-966-3117. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Get Pat Grantley, Studios America, and so much more. Use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks. And hello, you sick, twisted freak. Welcome to the uh, program. 
finally, after two days, I have uh, internet happening. Uh, not at my house, of course not. Uh, I have it at my barn, which is wonderful this time of year. Nice and cozy and warm. Uh, yeah. Wait until I tell you the experience that we had with the uh, internet provider. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Could they be ripping people off? No, absolutely not. We'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, first, thank you, Stu, for taking uh, the first uh, half of the uh, program. I appreciate it. Um, we want to talk and continue our conversation here on the candidates. Um, you know, we just went through where Donald Trump has some real credibility with uh, ending wars. Um, and I'm not sure where DeSantis, you know, I, I haven't seen proof of DeSantis in action. We have seen it with Donald Trump. But let's talk about COVID now. Yeah, it seems like one of the the approaches right now. From, <laughs> yes, uh, from Trump. Oh, I is, can't hear Stu. This is wonderful. Okay, of course. Go ahead, well, here, uh, thank you. I'll, I'll take it here for a second as we solve these uh, technical issues. We appreciate the uh, everybody uh, hanging out and uh, and a little understanding here with uh, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, and what's interesting about what Trump is doing is. He, I think, Sorry. sees appropriately a potential weak point uh, for his run in the COVID response stuff. You know, people remember going back to March and April of 2020, you know, when you heard the phrase two weeks to stop the spread, the person standing on the stage was Donald Trump. And I think everybody has some sort of remembrance of that. And I think you're going to see candidates in the field try to go to Trump's right, if you will, and say Donald Trump was the guy who had Anthony Fauci standing by his side, who had Dr. Burke standing by his side, who told us two weeks to stop the spread, who then told us after those two weeks were over, another month to stop the spread. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of criticism over the vaccines uh, among the Republican base. And Trump has kind of held the line there and said, look, these things were great and they, they saved a bunch of lives. Does the base agree with that? And again, it matters what the base agrees with because they're the ones who are going to make these decisions. So how do you handle that if you're Donald Trump? You can kind of see the first steps in his approach as, as he was talking on the plane the other day where he said, Look, you know, a lot of these governors are out there bragging about their COVID responses. You know, Florida shut down. Florida shut down. People forget this. Florida shut down, I think, is what he said was a lot longer than some of the others. And, you know, in sort of normal Trump fashion, there's some truth to that. It's probably exaggerated. I mean, I think you look at the DeSantis response to COVID, and most people on the conservative side of the spectrum look at it as a good response. They so here's the here's the problem that i have with uh with donald trump is um you know he he is the guy who suspended however however in his favor um i give everyone a pass well except for fauci because of what he knew was going on according to documents um i give i give almost everybody a pass that everybody was trying to do the right thing Everybody was, um, you know, 10, 10 days to s slow the spread. Um, I give you a pass on. However, it should have not been mandatory. It should have been, we believe, 10 days to, uh, to stop the spread is advisable. 
shouldn't have been a mandatory thing. That comes from the World Economic Forum. That comes from the Treasury Department. Uh, and event, what was it, 201 or 203, um, the, the strategy planning done by the WEF and, and the Bill Gates Foundation and all of that. They had this plan. They walked it into the president. Never been done before. Shouldn't have been done. If you are a constitutionalist, you would have said no. Donald Trump is not necessarily a constitutionalist, although he's better than most, it seems, at times. Um, I, I wonder if DeSantis would have done it because he did close down the state. But again, in the beginning, I give everybody forgiveness, um, DeSantis and Trump alike. But there comes a point to where you got to say, OK, this was really bad. We shouldn't ever do that again. And I haven't heard that from Donald Trump. Have you? Um, I think we've heard a little bit of that. We've heard um, bits and pieces of that, um, though I still think he's out of step with the base on some of some of it. What's fascinating is really the argument for DeSantis and his response is very similar to the argument to Donald Trump and his success, right? Like if you like Trump's response, what you would say is, he turned on these restrictions relatively quickly. Now, he turned slower than DeSantis did. Remember, Donald Trump was out there criticizing Brian Kemp, who was really the first one, at least in that area, uh, to turn uh, to turn around on those restrictions. You know, I think you could look at people like Christy Noem uh, in, in South yeah. Dakota. Uh, it, Iowa was another state that never closed down. But, you know, again, when you look at the spectrum of responses, both Trump and uh, DeSantis would be, I think, on the right side of that for most conservatives. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're trying to d needle. I mean, DeSantis has not participated in this criticism yet, but like, they will eventually be needling each other on this response. And it really, you know, it's it is. I think there are definitely parts to criticize of Trump's response. DeSantis's response, I think, was more standard for Republicans, and both of them stood up pretty strongly eventually and got to that point where they said, "Look, this is." wrong and we should not be doing this the question with trump is one of his weak points is going to be he went through his entire administration with anthony fauci mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and you know everyone looks at fauci as the center point of this and over and over and over again every one of his competitors in this primary are going to show pictures of donald trump sitting there praising anthony fauci standing next to him fauci praising trump all that stuff really happened. That wasn't a dream, even though it seems like it at this point. I don't think that's going to matter to people who would vote for Trump. If if Trump uh, stands up at some point, I want to hear both of them say this. Look, we did the best we could. We took the advice we could. We were in an emergency situation. We didn't know then what we know now. However, the most important thing we learned is you cannot do these style things it should never happen again and we should be passing laws to make sure it never happens again um the the uh, we all gave everyone the benefit of the doubt fauci and we gave the benefit of the doubt to uh, our pharmaceutical companies everybody stepped up we didn't know at the time and i'd like to hear rick and or sorry ron and uh, uh donald trump say this um, that we didn't know at the time that there were deals with the government and the pharmaceutical companies. We didn't know at the time that gain of function research was going on and is still going on. 
So I want to have a frank and open, honest uh, discussion and uh, really hearing on everything that happened. But the first step is we are to never, ever, the federal government uh, close down businesses and close everything down from the federal level. People were already isolating before we did it. We're Mm -hmm. not going to do that ever again, and we are going to make sure that it never happens again through uh, legislation. Uh, That's what I want to hear. Yes, I think we need to do that, and through the courts as well. We need to get all these things on record and locked down through the court system to make sure this doesn't happen again. Glenn, let me, uh, can I ask you a couple of non-binding prediction questions for the future? I'm not going to hold you to these. Okay. I'm not going to hold you to these. I'm not going to say you were an right. idiot for getting these wrong. I just want your okay. vibes at this very <laughs> moment. Okay. Okay. So we know we have DeSantis and Trump in this uh, back and forth here at the top of the primary. Likely, there will be a third person who at least has a run at some point. Someone who gets, I don't know, into double digits in a few polls, maybe puts some pressure on one of the two candidates, maybe passes one of the two candidates and has an outside chance of winning. Let me give you some names of people who are being thrown around right now. Yeah. Tell me who you th- who you think your number three is in this race right now. You've got John Bolton, no. Mike Pompeo, no, Mike Pence, no, Nikki Haley, no, Ted Cruz, no, Christy Noem, maybe, but I lean towards no. Okay, Rick Scott from Florida, maybe, but I lean okay. towards no. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Um, uh, that's the first one that I think is like, yeah, probably could be. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Uh, Glenn Youngkin from Virginia. No. no. I hope to God not. Right? You're that down, that down no, on Youngkin I just, already? I, no, I, I mean, I just, I, I want to see governors that are leading uh, like uh, Ron DeSantis is. I want to see governors understand and verbalize the country is on fire and we are building a barricade around our state. It's why I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't give Texas, I give Texas a hard time and I think they deserve it. Um, they are acting like it's business as usual, maybe a little dicey. This isn't a rainstorm. This is a Category 7 hurricane. What are we, what are we doing? I want to see governors who have actually taken hard stands and are continually moving the ball forward, not playing... Um, uh, not playing where at least we're not them and certainly not uh, playing defense. I want somebody on the offense. Hmm. Um, and uh, and you, know, you mentioned Texas and Greg Abbott's another one you throw in there. I assume you would say no on him. No. Larry, Larry Hogan, Liz Cheney from the left has been rumored no. as well. No. So yeah. really no one there that you, you think there's no one obvious. All these people are very low in the polls. Tim Scott is the one you maybe said had potential as a as a. Yeah, I three. think there's. Um, uh, I, I you know I, I think predicting any of this stuff at this point is it's crazy. Uh, is crazy. That's why it's non-binding. It's, that's yeah, why I it, non-binded you. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's it, this is this literally all of this stuff could change overnight. We we could. You know, we could ha- with be without power in 2024. We could also be the king of the world with some new Bitcoin in 2024. We have no idea 
what is coming. This is the most unstable the world has been in my lifetime. I, ca- I cannot think of another time that is more unstable than, than it is right now. So let's, let's all pretend we're alcoholics and take it one day at a time. All right, let me, t- let me tell you about uh, Rough Green. Cheryl wrote in about her dog's experience. She said, Glenn, I was actually really skeptical um, about you know, Rough Greens and it would have any effect on my dogs. However, my dog got sick, was heavy, had surgery, wasn't doing well, and I decided well, I'm going to just at least try it. 11-year-old dog, surgery. She said within a week's time, she was playing like a pup. Uh, totally amazed at how better both of my dogs' digestion has been, which I think, is that code for dog farts? Is that, because I, I don't know if they make that claim. Although, it's, well, never mind. Uh, all right, Rough Green. Thank you for, thank you for, sorry for wrecking that nice testimonial, Cheryl. Thank you for writing in. Rough Greens is not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic doctor Dennis Black. Has everything in it your dog needs. You just put it on top. Rough Greens, so confident that your dog's going to love it, that they want to make sure that you feel comfortable ordering it and, you know, and you don't lose out on any money if your dog doesn't like it. So they're going to send you a trial pack for free. You just pay for shipping, sprinkle it on your dog's food for a few days and see if he'll eat it. If he'll eat it, order the big bag and make sure you put it on every meal and you'll see a remarkable difference. At least I did in with my dog. Stu did. Pat did. Free trial bag. Pay for shipping. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. R-U-F-F greens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLEN-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're so glad you joined us. Um, I think technically we're pretty sound now. Okay. It only took us two days. Texas is insane. Everything stops. There's not, I mean, I'd be out there in the front with salt shakers. Uh, and that's like, that's it. That's it. You're not, you're not clearing any of the ice. It hasn't snowed here, but we have about half an inch of ice on all of the roadways. We don't have sand. We don't have salt trucks. So it's great. It's great. And tomorrow, another ice storm is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ju- don't you feel like you're in nursery school? I mean, it's, it's like nowhere else, nowhere else in America does this happen. And you're like, uh, I'm out. And it happens every year. Yeah, it's it's basically turns into April 2020 COVID, where no it does. It where does. no one goes out. <laughs> I know the entire society is like it's like a three day pandemic. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So uh, broadcasting from uh, my barn, which does not uh, look like Stu's porno palace at his house. I don't even know what that is, Stu. But uh, I it's my wife's podcast studio. What it's are you a talking weird about? studio. I don't know what your wife no, is, is talking not. about it's on just, her podcast. It's weird weird it's the lisa page made me do it podcast it's very girly uh but i will right. say uh, it's, it does have a very fluorescent yes sign behind me yes. and I, yes. I i guess that is a little yes, it does not, not normally where you see your news talk uh, host no broadcasting it's, no it's not no it's not well, well look at where you are you you said it was a barn that does not look like a barn to me all i see i see cars behind you it, it this that's just, that's that's a barn to you as a person who's never done outdoor work in his entire no, life no, wait. hey this i call it a barn because it 
used to be a barn. It was, this used to be a horse stall. Um, I bought Terry Bradshaw's old place, and uh, it was this nasty, nasty uh, horse stall that was full of all kinds of deadly stuff down here in Texas. And so we just, <laughs> we gutted it. So it is a barn. It's just not a normal barn on the inside. Yeah, well, you, you mean nothing, when you no change work. something, right? <laughs> when you change something to something else, it ceases to be the thing it was. That's how the transition Really? Work. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember it was about a week before I finished, and I thought to myself, I am five days away from fundamentally transforming this barn. And right. nobody has a problem when you transform America. I guess it's still America. Point made, Stu. Back in just a second. The Glenn Beck Program.